It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to Ausbiz Live from our Brangaroo Studios for the final call of the year. Uh, 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Let's bring in our final panel for the year. Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Claude, how are you? Merry Christmas. Very pleased to be here. Merry Christmas to you and all the viewers, whoever is watching. It's great to be seeing out the year. <laughs> well, you can hear a bit of an echo out there. No, you'd be, you'd be amazed. Uh, Mark it's going to be a great episode. Yeah, Mark Gardner from NPC Markets joins us. Mark, how are you? Good, man. Merry Christmas. Good. Merry Christmas to you. Have you been counting down? Uh, a couple of my kids have, yes. Yeah, we've right. had uh, the Google Home on uh, Christmas Carol repeat for about three weeks now. Oh, right. So okay. It um, she would start in mid in mid November, <laughs> my um, my daughter. But uh, we've had to make a yeah, December a, one cut off. It's a great time of year, and helped by a magnificent Santa rally in November and December. It yeah, saved exactly. A lot of, life. A lot the, of people, uh, Boxing Day sales. If, if there's some profit taking, might go a little bit better. So. Yeah, yeah. It's um, certainly not looking anywhere near as grim as what it was uh, no. eight weeks ago. So In October, it seems so long ago, doesn't it? Well, yeah. So Something has changed. Um, Claude Walker, do you think uh, uh, as everyone comes back from a holiday, they'll still be in a festive mood on the market? Or uh, do you reckon it's been such a good Dece- December and November, you take a bit off the table? I, I don't have a view, David. I'm so sorry, but I can never predict these things, uh, how, how it goes around. So for me, it's just the same as always. Keep the eye on the long term. Try to make sure my portfolio is is reasonably split between different assets, obviously shares. I love to invest in small cap stocks. Also, on the other hand, got plenty of money in an interest account that's just safe money that I could deploy wow. if I saw opportunities in the future. So just keeping a balance between those two things is definitely my rule of thumb, not going overboard at any one time nowadays. Okay, well, we've got quite a few small caps on uh, today's list to take a look at. Uh, Let's have a look at the first five this half hour. Ecograph, uh, Cobalt Blue, uh, Global Masters Fund, Web Central and Propel Funerals uh, Partners. Uh, Stock of the day though, so we take a look at the Waypoint REIT. Uh, it's experienced a 5% net reduction in property value in the six months that uh, ends 31st of December. Company has said that its portfolio of 402 properties um, has 25 properties currently under rent reviews. Uh, net tangible assets per security dropped 8% based on the June 2023 valuations. Uh, reason I brought it up, uh, Mark Gardner, is that REITs have been absolutely smashed over the last two years, mm. haven't they? Um, in anticipation that there'd be massive devaluations in property, particularly commercial and retail. Here's Waypoint, 
actually come and done one. Yeah. Down 5%, not quite the 30% discount they're all trading at. Yeah, look, this one's at around about a 16%. Um, It's... It's super solid because it's, it's got those triple net leases, so yep. it just owns the land. Everything everything above the land is basically is the responsibility of the tenant. So, the, so these are convenience stores and service stations. Yeah, and like yeah, but they? they don't they don't own the building, they don't service the building, they don't do anything else. But generally, but but own the own the uh, premium spots that right. they're on. So it's a pretty uh, simple, low cost um, sort of rate. Really, um, it can get quite savage, as you can see there on that chart. Um, I think, it, and and last year as well, uh, when we had that sell-off into June, it, it got savaged down to the sort of two dollar um, two dollar fifteen mark. Um, it's a really good one to buy on dips because it's you know right. it's a reliable, solid business with a you know, average average whales eight point six years, ninety nine point nine percent occupancy. Yeah, um, but yeah, you can see there and the, on the five say, year. It dips every year, doesn't it? It dips at some stage when there's a bit of a um, property freakout. It's it's just a fantastic one to because look, service stations you know with a, with eight point six average whale. Um, and essentially, you know, one customer being Viva, um, they're very stable. They're not. There's no lease renewals until uh, 2025, I don't believe. Right. So at all. So we've still, you know. Mm. So it's a great one where you know when the REITs catch, you know, sneeze and catch a cold, you can yep. just kind of step in and buy this one because it down at that two dollar ten level, that it will be yielding up to um, eight or nine percent. Plus sometimes, wow. so uh, and look, everyone needs fuel for their cars and things like that. It's pretty, it's a pretty essential service to have those service stations. So yeah. uh, it's fairly safe to um, to head into this one. So I wouldn't probably look if you've got it, hold it. But it'd be one of those ones that um, you know, if we if we have a bit of a freak out next year at some stage, um, right. or you know, so if it gets down to two dollars, oh, like somewhere that. around there, um, yeah, I would be looking at it again, right. uh, potentially. So. Okay. Um, it's it's a pretty reliable play. Um, we've we've rolled this around probably oh, two or three times in the last three two or three years. Right. Okay. So, but and they we never really have um, the the risk is buying it too early basically. So you've it um, it can get quite thin and nasty. But yeah. um, if you sort of pick your levels and know where you want okay. the yield, it's pretty good. So, Claude, what do you think of White Boy? I think that amongst the REITs available, it's one of the better ones, basically because. It's a bit of a it's it's a bit different from say the office tower rates that I I wouldn't favour. Uh, in terms of this particular one, look, I think if we if we look at the past dividends of sixteen cents uh, per year, and according to analysts, it's going to maybe go up a tiny bit, but but not much. That that's how I'd kind of look at the the return you're getting. That's about six point four percent. Unfranked dividend there, so that's sort of comparable, really, to money in the bank account. Now, at the moment, I'm getting 4.75% uh, in the bank account, risk-free, and so I don't think, for me personally, it would be enough to just take on any kind of risk, really, for such a slim upside yep. in terms of the yield. So, yep. if there, I am occasionally can be seduced by a dividend stock. Right now, these days, I'm not that easily seduced by a dividend stock that uh, 6.4% no franking would do it for me. So just for that reason, I call it a hold and it's not one I'd be buying. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that it's all right, really, I would, I wouldn't, I'm not against it either. But a bit like Mark said, if it, if it got up to a 9% yield, if it pulled back to $2.10, 
then it's probably worth a look. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you got absolutely. To, yeah, you got to, and you got to think about it as well. If you're getting that four point seven five in the bag, like there's no brokerage on that either. So, no. it um, you know you you got to add up all your all your yeah. costs and get you because. It's you know we we've really gone not nowhere in about three years. Um, if you can if you now you've got that yield there. If you can snipe from mm. the sidelines and and um, and pick up you know re- you don't have to you, you don't have to roll the dice and take risk yeah. any, um, any longer. So you can be a little bit more selective now yep. with those yields. All right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And Claude Darren wants a view on EcoGraph, uh, a battery anode material business um, uh, manufacturer. What do you think of EcoGraph? Well, I, I'll actually echo comments. I was lucky enough to be on the show, uh, you know, more or less a year ago on the last day last year as well. And a similar question came up, a pair of stocks uh, that are sort of in that, uh, you know, battery minerals, clean transition. That's how they market themselves. I think these guys are graphite. Yep. Um, that kind of theory. And I sort of lumped them together and, and said I didn't like either of them. And Ecograph, definitely within that family of stocks that have that sort of story behind them, uh, it would look like one of the less compelling ones for me. So, for example, red flags that stand out are listed so early already on uh, looks like three stock exchanges, ASX, Frankfurt Stock Exchange and um, some OTCQX. Not quite sure what that is. Uh, But, you know, listed on three exchanges, board and management, as per the last shareholder I looked at, looks like 4.8% of the company only by board and management. So that's quite low. And obviously... They have a highly speculative business model looking for debt financing uh, to uh, develop a product qualification facility in Australia and finalise developing planning. They want to establish partnerships for a pilot plant. So very speculative at the moment. There could be speculative bubbles again. I don't know. That's really not the kind of investing I do. So, yeah, an avoid for me, uh, definitely not one for me. Yep. Is it for you, Mark? No, no, not at all. Um, it's, yeah, that, that thematics, obviously, you know, lithium's um, been under the, under the pump in that EV. Thematics been a little bit under the pump this year. Yep. Um, you know, realistically, we're only in PLS um, in that space at the moment. And, um, you know, we're in produ- and we would only really consider producers. Um, there, there's a lot going on with this company and Claude wrapped it up pretty well, which, you know, there's looking for partnerships, debt financing, you know, like there's not much skin in the game from the directors. It, it really looks as though they're just trying to find someone to throw a heap of money in and, yeah. and potentially, you know, cash out. But look, the graphite, as far as the graphite goes, I mean, there is going to be, you know, there is a forward sort of deficit of um natural graphite um, in that space if you wanted to go into the graphite space because I think it will be because I think there's more than half of a lithium ion battery is graphite and the, natu- mm. and the natural flakes are actually they're uh, denser than the synthetic ones and hold the power for longer for right. and range anxiety etc is um, BlackRock Mining which is Tanzania um, they uh, will be one of the greenest mines in the world it will be in production I think towards the end of next year so and it's trading at the moment it's in that orphan phase of the Lasong curve where they, you know, they've just raised the capital for to get everything up and running. And right. so, you would prefer so, BlackRock? Yeah, I would prefer BlackRock. Yeah, this, um, then you know, they've got a really solid business plan, and um, and the mine will be one of the lower cost greener mines in the, okay. in the world from, because they run off the uh, hydro. Um, right. So it'd be uh, compared to its competitors, I think the the cost of running the mine power wise is less than half. Of what okay. Good direction. Um, <clears throat> what about cobalt? 
Uh, Daryl wants to be on Cobalt Blue project out near uh, near Broken Hill. Yeah, it's the only pure play Cobalt. Yep. Um, I think is the is the tagline that we sort of see everywhere with this one. Um, it's a lot of potential, but again, it's this is kind of it's in that phase where. Yeah, we've probably been through back, you know, obviously early in the year, we're back into um, you know, where they've made their discovery, et cetera. And, and we're in that sort of period, that frustrating period where yeah, we, you've got to get to an actual mine and production. And yeah. um, you've really got to be a believer and probably just put your head in the sand during that period, or you've got to get out on the, you know, at, right. get out of at least half on the discovery. So that's a tactic we always play with these with these mining company, junior miners with discoveries is we'll, we will take- So the discovery got it to 95 cents. Yeah. We now, would, now you've got to finance the project and get the mine up and, and going. Exactly. And, the, you know, the company will come cap in hand, rightfully so. To, yeah. Or they've got to bring in partners, you get diluted, etc. So that, you know, that period where, um, you know, that two to three year period or can be longer sometimes, you don't really want to be there. So no. if you, um, you know, it's a, I've got a lot of frustrated um, clients who, you know, in things where, well, Iron Air, for instance, they just you know made a discovery, shot up, and then obviously lithium prices have now come back down. And yep. by the time they got to production, you know the, it's not it's not as good. So it's always uh, it's always wise um, to be selling some on the way up on that discovery notice, and and sort of bank, and then if you want to leave some in there, and then set a you know set an announcement alert for. Right. You know, when they're about six months out yeah. from from production, because it um, it's a long wait and a wait, kind of a waste of capital. You could be pushing that into other things um, elsewhere, or yeah. you could be putting it in your in your um, term deposit or whatever you yeah. know as well. So, uh, Claude, what's your view on Cobalt Blue? <laughs> well, funnily enough, David, and I have to bring this up. This was one of the companies I was asked about December twenty three last right. year. Just gave the same spiel. Like basically, I said I'd be very cautious of it. It's just <laughs> One of these story stocks, and I think the story is going to suffer in the next year. It's down 50% in that time. I have no idea. The story could go up. The story could go down. It's not investing. It's just speculation on narrative speculation. A fellow, my friend of mine called Ricky uh, on Twitter, Galume, he calls it. It's exactly the right way to call it. it. It is narrative speculation. It's not investing. I have no idea. I don't really do it. So even though maybe it's lower now, I still don't want to do it, okay. essentially. And well, so, so that's, that's what I think. Well, if you gave that uh, analysis 12 months ago, uh, it's more than halved in price since then. So anyone who took your advice is uh, sending you a Christmas card, I reckon. <laughs> they, they don't. They don't. No, no. What happens is you say the stock's bad, someone says something nasty to you, and then it goes in half, and then you don't hear anything. That's pretty much what, what happens. I, that's why I'm one day I'm going to get out of this game. It's a thankless time. Uh, I don't think I've ever been thanked for saving someone money ever. So even, even though it's money, you don't have to make back. So. No, exactly. All right. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, Mark Craig wants a view on Global Masters Fund. Now, Craig says, I can't afford a whole Berkshire Hathaway A-class share, which is what, about 30000 or something yeah, like that yeah. at the moment. So is this a, an option? It's an investment company, which but primarily invests in Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah, it's about 65% Berkshire Hathaway. Um of that 65%, I think it's uh, two-thirds in A-class shares and a third in um, in the B-class shares. So the B-class yeah. shares are about 350 bucks. Right. So you don't have voting rights, um, but realistically, it's there's not a hell of a lot of difference. So right. 
Um, I'd just be more if you if you want to just invest in Berkshire Hathaway, um, I'd find a way to just buy some B class shares right. instead. Because um, what they're the same price as Cochlear or CSL or yeah, exactly you know, a bit above that. So it's not um, you know. And look, if you you might only it depends on how much you want to invest, but may only be a couple of thousand bucks where you can right. still probably buy five of them or something like that. Yeah. So um, I didn't really recognise me, um, any of the other thirty five percent that was in the. Um, that was in this global masters fund. Uh, it's sixty-eight million market cap. Um, yeah, it's. I, I would. If that's your plan, I would yeah. probably just go and and, clone. A, and it's not hard these days to invest in a US stock. Is it? No, it's not. No, absolutely not. I mean, I mean, we we're a relatively young broking shop, and we can. You know, we've got access to US markets and etc. Yeah. So, yeah. it um, it's, it isn't that hard. And um, yeah, I, I think if uh, it would. I can just see in a situation where if the other 35% of this um, this fund didn't perform and Berkshire did and was the, you know, eclipsed them and was the outperformer, how frustrated you would be yeah. just not going with it. So, um, you know, and obviously we all know that it's had an now, extraordinary track record. So yeah. it, um, if that's what you want to do, I'd probably just find a way to, to open Do B-class shares get you an invitation to the AGM? They do not, oh, no. I think the A-class... The a that's like the rock concert, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, apparently <laughs> you so. you go to every year, yeah. But you know, if you uh, if you accumulate and dividend reinvest, you might get there in ten years or something. Might, Who knows? Might get um, the A class. So uh, yeah, you can convert your A class into as many B classes as you want, but not the other way around, obviously. All right. Um, yeah. So that helps people with the okay. party trying to get out. So. All right, um, Claude, what do you reckon? Yeah, so so I definitely wouldn't buy it because it's a, a listed investment company. Uh, it's not even trading at that much of a discount to net asset value. So. Generally speaking, the catch with a listed investment company is, is you can only sell for you know what someone's willing to buy at, and depending on the actual fund, they may be putting putting something under that or not. Uh, so essentially, I would 100% just buy whatever it is that you want to get exposure to. So Berkshire B class shares, any brokerage can sort you out, and okay. I definitely would leave the listed investment companies well alone and and not get involved with that unless you've got some thesis for why the discount's going to close and you're and you're trading it at a discount so there's one forager they traded at a discount they said we're actually going to end it end the structure so that people can exit in net asset value i've no idea how many years that's going to actually take to for them to do that but they've said they're going to do that that would be the kind of lic that i'd be interested in otherwise okay. zero point in doing it i i haven't looked at berkshire hathaway for a while it's five hundred and forty one thousand dollars right for one share. It's amazing. B class 356. Mm. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> 500. And, and if you look at the chart, they're they, identical. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're identical. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think you missed out on any of the dividends or anything like that. It's, no. all the same. it's relatively all the okay. same. So. All right. Uh, our next stock um, is Web Central, Claude, and says, I own this stock when it was 5G network and have watched it slide. It's been up and down lately. Should I hold or sell and cut my losses? I think that ultimately with Web Central, it being in having been a bit of a roll up in my gosh, it's been listed for a long time. Once upon a time, it, I think it was Melbourne IT. I guess Mark, correct me if I'm wrong on ah, that. But, right. And it's had a few different uh, incarnations, I think. Uh, basically, uh, I, I would say um, it's not 
that hasn't impressed me over the year. For for example, uh, they tried to take over a company, Cirrus Networks Holdings. They then they then decided to sell their entire holding in Cirrus Networks, and they they did that. And that was actually one I actually bought that stock, and it got recently got taken over. You know, I, I was buying at five three and a half cents, and it got taken over at um, six six and something. Uh, so don't don't really want to back them to be honest, but I do think that they have just pulled off a big uh, two thirds sale of part of their business, which is going to have a lot of cash into the business, which they've just completed on, and it leaves room for a narrative change. So they can they go out and they find something new they want to buy with the cash, and they have a massive exciting story growth. You know the projections will be really positive. I feel like once that story comes out, probably some people will buy it. And that might be your best opportunity to sell. So I definitely mm. would think of this as a position that I'm managing my way out of. But right now, I feel like actually in the in this point where they're at now would not seem like the most opportune time to get out. Uh, so I would, you know, I would still hold it if I if I'd gone through that horrid situation. I would I'd hold it for a little bit of a better narrative around this. Like, what are they going to do with this money? They talk about they could do. Um, buybacks they could do all sorts of different things so let's see what they want to come out and say that they're going to do with the money and and i would hope that that might provide a little bit of a bump and then that might be when i started to take profits and, and actually get out of it okay well melbourne it yeah it's in uh, domain management and website development and hosting and things like that mark uh yeah been a big drop from five years ago at 290. yeah absolutely um i couldn't agree with claude more it's it was pretty much exactly what i had written down yeah. it'd be it's definitely on a buy um i wouldn't have thought because you just don't want to get probably don't want to get stuck in it um if you're holding it i, I don't think it's time to it's, don't think it's time to sell either because right. that chunk of cash you know they if they come out, if they market it well, it could bring some optimism around the stock. And you know, I think you'll get a better opportunity to get out. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be trading for that. Um, so it's, a, it's such a competitive business, yep. that domain stuff. Um, and you're against, you're against massive global players. It's, uh, it really is, you know, this, it's a David versus Goliath yeah. sort of And thing. it's a transactional thing now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. No moat, so, um, and you, you've got providers like GoDaddy and things where you get, you almost get, you, you get your Microsoft through it as well. And all the, there's all these add-ons where you get discounts. Yeah. Like you, you, there isn't, and there's the margins so wafer thin, they're basically selling that domain hosting and things at almost a loss anyway. So mm. not a business I wouldn't be involved in because you, you um, yeah, it'd be like trying to start your own search engine, you know, yeah. against Google. It's a, it would be a very, very hard task. So, okay. um, yeah, it'd be. I would hold on to see what they're going to do with the cash. Um, as Claude said, I think that's a great, um, a great way to approach it. Um, and yeah, it should probably sell any spikes, um, okay. any, any rallies. All right, so hold on there. Uh, Suraj um, wants a view on Propel Funeral Partners, uh, Mark, um, in the death care services business, as they describe it, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, funeral homes, cremation, cemeteries, and the like. What do you think of Propel? There's been a, um, a lot of M&A activity in, well, this in this is funeral the only, area yeah, for a while, hasn't it? It's the only uh, One pure, pro, pure play funeral stock left. Yeah, um, Yeah. It's, look, it's not a sexy space, um, and I think that's probably why it gets largely ignored, but the um, they just bought... Uh, they they just bought um, some properties and things for for ten million dollars. Um, 
It's five million revenue per annum and three properties. I mean, that's an absolute steal, obviously. Yeah. Um, so look, they're, they're very good operators. It was sitting here at the moment, it, you know, we'd be at 18 month highs, if not, um, oh, we'd be probably um, or more. And look, it yields, <coughs> it yields fairly low. Um, I don't know whether you would buy it here through, buy it here through highs, but um, my guys, were, we, we, we were pleasantly surprised. It's sort of not, you don't go searching for a funeral stock, and, right. and obviously with the M and A that's been going on lately as well. I think there was um, look at that five year high. Yeah, five year high. So that which I would I would imagine would be probably close to all time highs. So right. um, you know it's 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 obviously a reliable business. Yeah, and um, and and I and I think that you know it, it could get gobbled up being the only one um, if, if people wanted to go down this road, and the, and look the fact that they're rolling up other businesses, um, you know with. You know, spending ten million for five mil revenue and three properties. I mean, that's got to be an absolute yeah. steal. I would have thought. So, uh, I would probably rely on them to, you know, to continue to do that. They'll probably be the biggest in the space. Um, you know, publicly listed, and if they can, you know, it's if they can sort of pick up other other businesses mm. that. Um, you know, small, smaller uh, family. So businesses are you saying buy at these levels? I, I can't buy it here um, but I'd be I'd be having a look at it on a dip absolutely um, it's I mean it's really rocketed back up it does tend to have a bit of a pullback at times I'd maybe yeah. just see how um, see how reporting goes so hold if you're in it oh hold if you're in it absolutely yeah. I'd be looking for it to break through that high bit I don't think it's going to run away it's not the sort of thing that's going to go to seven bucks like, sure. um, in an instance so unless someone comes in with a takeover bid but yeah it would be at 600 odd million market cap mm. it's you know, it's probably not a bad investment for okay. for M&A. Uh, Claude? Yeah, I like Propel Funeral Partners. Uh, there's an article we published on it uh, a few months ago called Why Propel Funeral Partners is a Good Defensive ASX Stock. Its author, Matt Grazier, was arguing, you know, basically explaining why he owned the stock. Uh, however, uh, as Mark mentioned, you know, since that time, it has had a strong run and, uh, you know, essentially really come up in like 10% or more, 20, 20% almost, I think, in the last few months. So essentially, it may not be such good value anymore, but let me explain why uh, I I would definitely, at the very minimum, hold it. Essentially, most roll-ups aren't particularly great, but funeral homes are very stable, durable businesses, and many of the individual parlors and, and brands that owned have been uh, around for decades. And the thesis is essentially that funeral services are always necessary, regardless of economic conditions. It's a very uh, reputation-based business with trust established over multiple generations sometimes. And also there are regulatory and capital requirements when establishing new funeral homes and crematoria. Obviously, you can't just set it up in your backyard. So uh, the the thesis is that the above factors uh, that I mentioned mean that funeral homes enjoy sort of quasi-local monopolies. And if that's true, then even if you have like a few big roll-ups that are like three, it sort of becomes like a oligopoly situation. And that's where you get kind of excess earnings. And so for that reason, I say it's probably a bit of a, it's a bit of a blue chip kind of stock really. (sighs) And given that there is takeover speculation, I would say even now, if you bought it, your downside is probably around 20% maybe if the takeover goes away but your upside is probably uh reasonable as well so i would say borderline between hold and buy not the most opportune moment to buy necessarily but still 
if that's the position you're looking to fill in your portfolio, it's one that's remains on my watch list. I don't own it myself, but I quite like it. And and so that's where I th- that's where I think I'd put it between buy and hold. Okay, interesting. All right, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks in the stock of the day. Stock of the day: Waypoint, the REIT. After it revalued some of its uh, properties, a hold uh, from both Claude and Mark. Mark saying if it got down to around that two dollar ten mark, uh, where where the dividend yield would be about nine nine and a half percent worth a look. Then Ecograph a no from both. Um, Mark likes BlackRock in that space. If you're looking at it, uh, Cobalt, Cobalt Blue a no from both. Uh, the Global Masters um, Investment Fund, which owns uh, uh, a slab of Berkshire Hathaway, um, a no from both Mark and Claude, saying uh, even though Berkshire Hathaway A-class shares are around $540,000 each, uh, the B-class shares uh, just over $300. They would go, if you're after Berkshire Hathaway exposure, go to the B-class shares. Non-voting shares, but tend to mirror the performance of the A-class shares. Uh, Web Central a hold from both, Propel a hold from both as well. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own high conviction fantasy fund as uh, picked by the investment committee. The December committee meeting is up on the platform at the moment, osbiz.com. Uh, at the December meeting, uh, ResMed Car Group, Gal Car Sales and Johns Ling were added to the portfolio. Uh, profits were taken on West Farmers, RPM Global and MA Financial. And uh, the fund, fantasy fund is up just under 19%. Um, this half hour, we'll be running the ruler across Beam Communications, Raz Technology, zero. Maggie Beer and Nossus, is that how you pronounce it? It hasn't really come up on the call before. Uh, we'll get to that as our final stock. Um, but let's kick it off. Will wants a view, Claude, on Beam Communications, the uh, um, um, design, development, manufacture, distribution of satellite, cellular, um, and mode equipment applications. Yeah, so it's a sort of a satellite phone company, really, Beam. It's been around for a while. It used to be called WorldReach. Oh. Uh, being a, a manufacturer, it does... Uh, so it, it also receives uh, royalties, uh, but it um, being a manufacturer, it does have working capital needs. And essentially, in the most recent quarter, they're basically saying, oh, you know, they've had to spend up in having, you know, a big quarter that they're going to fulfil... Uh, that's that's coming up so um essentially it can be really up and down it's very hard to call over the long term as you can see and it's good to have that five-year chart up there you can see it actually hasn't really gone anywhere despite having some good runs so basically i would if i had to bet i'd say it might actually be about to have a good run we have seen a, a little bit of director buying recently and so the heuristics to me say that, you know, if you wanted to do some crazy microcap speculation, this is the kind of one that I would be more interested in mm. as opposed to, um, you know, some of the zero revenue or it's, you know, graphite, cobalt, whatever. No, thank you. This one actually has the heuristics that might work. Now, just because this has the heuristics of a speculation that might, that might work does not mean it's a good idea to speculate on little microcaps like this. It's not something I'm doing at the moment. I'm being more responsible an investor. 
of course it is something I've done in the past when I when I just been a lesser public kind of investor with all the recommendations and stuff. So overall, yeah, basically I think it's probably there's an intelligent and speculation intelligent speculation there. But look, this is a twenty million dollar company. I would never put more than a small tiny amount of money in it. And even then, I think when you get a when you get a bump, like I'd take my profits, you know, if, if this right. thing trades at 30 cents, it's probably pretty richly valued or 40 cents, let alone. So don't be too greedy on it either. OK, so basically a hold at the moment. If there's a bump up, take some profits. Well, I'd say it's a speculative buy if you really Spec know buy? what you're doing in, in the crazy speculative end of the market. And, okay. and I would say it's not even a long term thesis for 99 percent of people. That's an avoid, okay. <laughs> except for that one percent of people that really do know, know they're knitting in that kind of end of the market. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's a trade for us, basically. Um, largely agree. I mean, it's got pretty good stats. Um, EBITDA last year was up 190% um, net profit after tax was 2.3 million. Um, it's got an 8 PE, like so. It's, it's relatively cheap. Gross margins are 35 to 38% on them on the things they're selling. Um, the big hang on, it's valued at 20 million. I think it's at 18 million. Yeah. 18 million, but it's makes a profit of 2.3. 2.3, yeah, I, I believe. So so it is profitable. And their yeah. royalties were up last year and their um, recurring revenue, total recurring revenue was up about 86% as well. So, right. And we are pretty close to the lows here. I mean, the lows around 16, we're at 21 and a half. Um, mm. It, you know, I think it's a pretty thinly traded stock, obviously. Um, so, but the big issue for this company is Elon Musk and Starlink. So, I mean, they're priced, these guys are priced at about $445 yeah. um, for their sort of go anywhere packages. Um, Elon started selling the Starlink now and refurbed um, about $160 odd cheaper than that. Yeah. Um, so and then I've, so basically you can you can take these satellite things if you I mean if you're going to remote areas or regional areas um, and <coughs> sorry your smartphone just connects to it so your yeah. phone would work normally so right. um, I think that's where yeah. the industry is generally going rather than the actual satellite phone um, is, is just take your existing phone with this as the connector so um, but Starlink obviously he's they own an absolute truckload of satellites um, this equipment's only going and they're get, doing some big deals with oh, existing massive, telcos aren't they yeah massive deals so. It, I think the mar that that thirty five percent gross margin is going to come down, but obviously you know they're um, but they've done very well. Like and and it's so small yeah, no. that it, they've only got to pick up a big contract and and it will get a bump. So, but yeah, it's not it, it's not a long term investment. I wouldn't have thought, it, but I I think it's actually yeah, it, it's a reasonable buy here. You might get a yeah. you might get a you know a thirty or forty percent run <coughs> quite quickly. Um, on, um, so spec buy for you as well. I spec buy, but yeah, but don't. And that not crazy microcap end. It's not a portfolio position. It's right. A, we, I mean, we've got an alpha portfolio where we do short-term trades and things, and right. and obviously we're watching it all the time, so we can trail the stop and things like that. Um, if you're, you know, if if share trading something you're doing where you're not looking at it for three or four days at a time, this is I would so steer clear of this right. because you need. You might you might get a spike on one day or two days, and if you miss that spike, you might be it might be a lobster pot right. for a while. Okay, all right. Uh, James, James wants a view, Mark, on RAS technology uh, provides data, content, and SaaS solutions for the global racing and wagering industry. Uh, Australia, you, uh, UK, US, 
uh, rest of the world. It's an interesting business. So. Yeah, it is an interesting business. It's kind of like Bloomberg for horse racing almost yeah. in a way. Um, they're, uh, they've got some really good contracts um, of late, particularly. Uh, they've obviously rallied a little bit um, this year. and um, But I think their um, annual monthly recurring revenue is up about 48% for their customers and then 36% for their enterprise customers. Their mm-hmm. revenue is up 40%. Um, they had a net loss last year of 1.1 mil, but they should, they're, they're going to be operating cash flow positive this year. Uh, sorry, this coming year, 2024. Um, and they're 42 million market cap with you know 18 million in total assets. So right. I mean, it's I mean eight and 8.7 of that's in cash. Hmm. Like it, it's you know it's certainly not overvalued. It's the only um, website that of. Um, that offers all of the form guides, etc., in uh, Mandarin as well as English. Right. Um, so there's a pretty large market there, and um, I think the uh, they've just done a deal with um, UK Greyhound Racing or something that's like eight hundred thousand dollars a year in okay. recurring revenue for the next six years as well. So they're um, you know sports bet, pickle bet, Neds, all their back ends are run these by this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Wow. Um, so or that's or their, their data is run by this. I this has been, been a better bet than the actual wagering companies themselves. Oh, absolutely, because they can't really operate without this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, look, it's had a really good run. Um, I think, you know, this is still at the speculative end of the market, only being 40-odd million market cap. But yeah. um, they seem to be picking up really decent, uh, decent, you know, large... I think they've got a contract with Tab as well, um, mm. with Tab Corp. So... You know, I, I would I would back this. You wouldn't probably put more than say one of one and a half percent of your, of your right. portfolio in it. But it it's only been listed since late twenty twenty one, and over that period, realistically, IPOs have not done well broadly. Um, right. So yeah, there'd be a spec buy for me, okay. absolutely. So they look like they run a pretty good shop, um, yeah. and the fact that they had a net loss last year is. You know they've they've come on to the ASX, you know, to expand. So yep. that's I think that's more than reasonable. Um, and and basically within three years getting to cash flow positive and picking up the customers they have. I'm, mm. I was really impressed with this one. Okay, uh, Claude, are you just as impressed? I'm I'm not quite as impressed. We wrote an article, an introduction to to this one, uh, not not so long ago. We uh, Raymond Jang published that, but the the Weakness in it is that it gets its data from data providers that potentially, you know, could affect its margins in the future. And so I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily take it uh, for granted that it would necessarily have high profit margins, or at least not sustainably so. Uh, One of its competitors, uh, Raymond looks at, has a lot more revenue and still make a loss. So I don't necessarily know what kind of multiple of revenue is appropriate for this business. I wouldn't think of it as like a pure software business where they've got a software and that that software is just, you know, a a thing uh, necessarily. So uh, overall might not be the best business. However, I partially agree with uh, Mark because I think that what's going to happen is they'll probably manage to do one or two good results, even if it's not very sustainable to be very profitable over the long term. I'm sure that they can probably uh, get at least a couple of years runs on the board there. And those couple of years might be coming up around now because they're just crossing like quite close to break even. They wouldn't have to make a lot of profit to look quite cheap at the current price. So I do think I explained a weakness, but I also agree that the share price kind of acknowledges that weakness. 
So I think that there's a good possibility that in the future, the market forgets about that bit um, weakness a little bit. So that's why I'd call it a hold. Right. It's not a thesis. It's not a long-term thesis that I like enough to want to call it a buy. And also, as you can imagine, I'm probably biased against this because personally, you know, the main game here for this kind of company is, is to encourage more gambling. And I'm not sure that that's, you know, really very beneficial for society. A lot of people would prefer have gambling out of sports so they can just watch it with their kids just about the winning and losing and the pride and everything and the belonging to a club so if you ever see the government legislate against that kind of stuff you know i don't know what's going to happen worldwide with the kind of gambling rules if that's anyone's guess so overall hold but it's kind of yeah i'd hold and i'd wait for that exit point when it puts in a prints a good result one year and then i'd get out basically okay all right but i think it will do that all right, let's turn our attention. Connor wants a view cord on another software business, but uh, at the premium end of the, the tech space, Zero, the uh, uh, accounting software for small to medium-sized businesses, uh, Kiwi company founded in 2006, Australia, New Zealand, and expanded into the, into the UK. Yeah, so Zero, I've owned this before. It remains one of my preferred ASX companies to own. Because I think that it will continue to grow, albeit less quickly than before, for a very long time. I think that's where your edge is probably. The market looks out a certain number of years, five years, 10 years. But what if this is a business that can keep growing for 20 years? I actually believe it is. And that's where I think the source of undervaluation comes at this point. I think the current strategy is reasonable. And look, I published about it after the results. It dropped on those results to a dollar. Uh, to $100, more or less. It's come back a, a bit since then. I said at $100, you know, I just wanted a bit cheaper, basically. And that kind of remains my position. I, Having said that, despite the fact that I haven't pulled the trigger to buy it myself, it's just one of those stocks that I'm always liable to buy uh, because I just think it's a high quality thing that it's like, you know, if you invest in these very good quality businesses with the ability to grow maybe 20 years, because of their core systemic sort of ticket clipping position in the technology stack, which is exactly what Zero is, being accounting software, very crucial to the customer, then uh, you, you, you put yourself in a, a playpen that has really safe toys for you to grab at versus if you're buying zero revenue story, story stocks, that's as if you're in a, in a sandpit that has you know, snakes in it. So basically Zero, I like it. I'd call it a hold right now, but I also want to say, you know, if you're looking to add a high quality growth stock for the long term, you could even consider buying it at this at this price, as long as you accept that, yeah, you're going to get slightly worse returns buying at 110 than you might have at 90, but there still be pretty good returns over the long term. That, yep. you know, that 10, 15% gets amortized over maybe 10 years worth of returns. It doesn't work out that badly. So that's why I say, for this kind of business, you probably still can't buy it if you have a very long-term mind frame. Yep. Mark, really well managed. Yes, I, I give them a lot of credit because when money was cheap, they just built market share, never made a profit, mm. just invested in the business, um, built a customer base. Then interest rates went up and the tech sector was absolutely torched if you didn't make any money. They pivoted, started bringing yeah. money back, laying off staff and said, OK, we've got to make a profit now because that's what investors want mm. um, and have benefited from it. Yeah, early uh, 22, I was highly critical of that 
yeah. you know, growth at all cost strategy. Um, yeah. And I copped a bit of flack on Twitter for that. But um, and then it got obviously, and they've, they've, I mean, the company's obviously gone and and, and done that now. I mean, they've yep. they've always had great revenue. Um, and I think they're in a. I'd be much more inclined to invest in them now. Um, you know, up until that point when they, you know, obviously I think there was board changes, etc. As well. Yeah. So um, I'm probably more positive, not so much on the US expansion, but the expansion of their current suite of products that they seem to be bolting on quite a few things yeah. here and there. Um, which you know, it's an extra, you know, few dollars for this or a few dollars for that, or yeah. your payment systems. And, and you can see and, them becoming a small business digital bank. Can't you? Yeah, I, I think so as well. I, the the US thing, I I really I know that it's you know it's every every board's dream to make it in the US, etc. But so we've got eight states in Australia, pretty simple tax system. The UK yeah. has, I think, um, you know, very it's a complicated from a legal perspective the tax system in the UK, but not necessarily from the accounting and transaction perspective. Uh, in the US, there is 13,000 sales and use tax jurisdictions. And each of these jurisdictions have multiple tax rates, which may vary, um, vary frequently depending on the economic circumstances. Right. It is- That's hard. It, it's just so <laughs> impossibly hard. And, and it, it is so competitive and you can't, it's not a, it's not a one size fits all um, uh, proposition with this software like it is in Australia and the UK. Yeah. So. Look, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, they'll have to go for sections of a big market over there rather than try to do a blanket, a blanket plan. Um, but, I, but I think pursuing those other areas where they can, yeah, like you said, be, almost being like a small business bank. I yep. think, I mean, Block or Square's trying to do yep. something similar, um, or Jack Dorsey's been trying to do something similar for for quite a while as well. I. I think that's where I can see the growth for that because it's it's wonderfully easy software to use. It integrates with mm, everything. Mm. I think that's um, I think that would be my focus um, yeah. on what they do on what they're and, doing. And their genius was wooing bookkeepers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Which then well, you don't need a sales team if you, you know, no, once once you're in, you're in. You just they yeah. they are your sales team. So it um, and then you know it doesn't it's it's all these little add-ons. It doesn't seem like much at the time, but they yeah. they can increase their margin. And they can, and and look they their cost of acquisition of new sale would be yep. next to minimal because it's just a bolt on to... So would you buy at these levels? I wouldn't buy at these levels, um, personally. Uh, I think... Um, worth yeah, a hold, though. Uh, yeah, definitely worth a hold. Um, I would say any, um, you know, any... We'll have slowing economic growth numbers, which will probably cause a, a bit of a bit of a freak out in Marcus next year. It'll be high up on the list, on the shopping list, um, at the, uh, probably at that point, I would say, but um, but much higher than what I would have, I would have, I'd be much happier to pay higher than what I would have been 12 months ago right. when they had that okay. growth strategy. So somewhere around them, that 80 to $90 range, you know, and then you just look, because it's a tech company, it may keep falling further, so you might want a dollar average, um, right. but yeah, it's, it's, it's an impressive company. Okay. Um, Michael wants a view, Mark, on Maggie Beer, the food and beverage group, not just the Maggie Beer products. Um, I don't know, who doesn't like her um, burnt fig ice cream? Uh, <laughs> with Paris Creek, also another brand, and St David Dairy. Uh, it's been an interesting business, this one, hasn't it? Sort of Maggie's been in and out personally. And yeah. Lent. The business money. A lot of those um, businesses are, you know, the person who's on the label really isn't that involved in the no. actual running of the business anyway. Um, no. They've really pivoted to go with on this online hamper business. I think that's the strategy for the next um, 
sort of couple of, like, well, for the foreseeable future, basically. Um, so I did a bit of research into, I mean, look, every, because this this would be the most publicised company that's got a 20 mil market cap, yep. or a 26 <laughs> mil market cap because of who Maggie is. Yep. Um, but, um, you know, they've got someone in there for Goodman Fielder with 20 years experience now, um, Kindergrand and... I would say, you know, be very experienced in controlling margins, etc., which is what hit them pretty badly. Um, look, that that bump up there, obviously, COVID, they they had, um, you know, SEO searches or search engine um, searches for online hampers have dropped forty percent since right. COVID peaks, but they're still twenty percent higher than pre-COVID levels. It's very very seasonal business. So that bump would be, you know, you would see that at Marley Spoon or right. with those sorts of companies, etc. I think the hampers thing is, you know, it that that global gift and hamper market's growing at sort of three or four percent per annum. Sixty-one percent of people have Google searched to gift hamper um, at, at some stage mm. in their lives. So, look, and she's certainly in a space where, you know, that brand recognition for the hampers yeah. would be, and I think there's. There's penfolds all over us, so I don't know whether they've got a, some sort of partnership there with the um, with those. So, but it's 26 mil market cap. They've got nine and a half million in cash. Wow. Um, I had horrible numbers last year, but if you put that aside, it's six and a half percent yields, um, and we're mm. trading at an absolute horrible low here at the moment. Um, you know, again, it's not um, it's not something you throw the kitchen sink at. However, if this online hampers business even starts to, you know. To gain any ground at all, um, and you now, a look. I think it's worth a look. And okay. I mean, someone in there, like I said, with twenty years' experience at a at a large food distributor, um, they're you know, they're very likely to be a little bit more on top of margins, etc., mm. um, and doing bigger deals. So, speculative buy, I suppose. Okay. Um, yeah, because it's you know it's it's forty percent cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Claude. Yeah, so this is on my list, not so much of a long-term investment. It's on my list of potential takeover targets. Another stock on that yeah. on that list I've got, you know, I, I actually need to publish an article about it for the subscribers, you know, this just before the end of the year. It's like the list of potential takeover targets. One of them on the list was ProBiotech, got a takeover today. This oh. is a potential takeover target to me just because the brand would be worth something. Like, it's definitely, you know, as we said, the, the enterprise value is not high. The company can probably survive. Profit super inconsistent. Your guess is as good as mine in terms of how much actual profit this business is going to make. It's a little bit subscale for a sort of food brand kind of thing, but it's going to have value. You know, someone at the end of the day, as this brand, it's a bit of a premium brand, rolls out and continues to be a thing. At the end of the day, there is real value creation because to a strategic buyer who maybe is a bigger food company, that's some sort of high margin stuff where they can get genuine synergies, etc. So. I think that there's value in that. It's just a. it would be a, on that list of sort of it could be taken over kind of uh, stocks. It's not really a strategy that I actually want to pursue as as something that I would do myself because I think it only works as if you make a bunch of them, for example, rather than just one. So I'd buy it as a basket of companies that I think might get takeover offers. In that scenario, I would consider buying it. But I guess for the purpose of it on its own, I just call it a hold. Okay. All right. But uh, potential M&A there. Uh, final stock, Claude. Michael wants a view on, is it called Gnosis, the uh, SaaS software company? I, I, do, I confess I don't know either. I, in my head, had always said Gnosis, but I right. don't actually know because I've never spoken to any anyone from the company. However, I have uh, watched it over the years. Uh, it actually has three 
sort of businesses. The, there was like a, a sort of sticky uh, original one that's been there for years, knowledge management, and then it's acquired two others that uh, since acquisition have seen their revenue uh, come down a little actually. Uh, so um, it since FY 2023, but have still gone, you know, pretty well. And so essentially I would say it's a low or no growth or slight decline kind of business, which is why it's so sort of at such a low multiple. So it has a bit over 8 million AR. Let's call it if it has 8 million ARR, which is even pricing in a, a significant, you know, a, a reasonable decline, which it's not declining that fast. And basically it did deliver a positive EBITDA in the most recent quarter, suggesting it's sustainable. It has a cash balance of mm. 3.5 million. So this is a tiny little company with just, a, I think, 5.9 million market cap with more than half of that in cash. So wow. the enterprise value of this tiny little thing um, is actually not much above 2 million. Or, and, and just the listed shell, generally, traditionally, I don't know what the going rate for listed shells on the ASX is these days, but historically, we've seen them valued at, you know, one to two million. So this thing is like a, a true uh, value, a value, micro value play, uh, in my opinion. Now, if you buy it and it goes wrong, they could sell, they could spend the cash on something crazy. The business could start losing heaps of money. Uh, so many things could go wrong, at which point you probably just zero. But I don't think that's going to happen. I actually think, keeping in mind, this is not a normal investment. When we say buy the company zero, the reason I'm saying, oh, you could maybe pay up for that a little is it's not going to go to zero. That's yep. an okay stock for for everyday person to think of as part of their growth portfolio. This is not an okay stock for everyday person. This is the Wild West um, you know, Hunter S. Thompson's voyage into the ASX microcap land, uh, crazy stuff. But to be fair to my inside little microcap self, who originally got started in microcaps, this is something I would totally have bought in those days. And if I, I wasn't, it. you know, being a serious adult investor, I would totally still buy this coffee again. <laughs> Just keep in mind only what you can afford to kind of kind of lose as it were. Okay, all right, it's a crazy buy. What do you reckon, Mark? Crazy buy, I think that should be a new term, yep. actually. Because um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a crazy buy as well. But the yeah, they it seems to be a pretty decent, you know, business overall. Um, I don't think it's ever going to be a takeover target because they've got, they're sort of competing with massive companies like Microsoft right. in this space, etc. I can't work out why it's listed. Um, but it's basically listed at bargain basement value at the moment. Um, so look, you know, they, they have gone cash flow positive. Um, they, their numbers were fairly positive last year overall. Cash um, in the bank. They've got cash in the bank. And uh, look, I mean, cash balance is three and a half million and you know, it's a six full 5.9 million market cap. Um, they don't seem to spend a lot of money. Um, their cash balance is only down 600 grand next year. So look, mm. was, their, things are improving. And they've got at least a five-year time, you know, runway. Um, look, I mean, only one thing's got to go right. I mean, I think it's basically priced in everything going wrong. So right. if this is your thing, yeah, it's probably not a bad okay. buy. But um, yeah, I mean, this a crazy be, micro cap buy. There's got to be corner stores a with like... a bigger market cap than this. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it, it, like I, I'm not entirely sure why they would go through the expense of. Of, um, of listing fees and yeah, all that exactly. sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So okay. they'd probably remove, you know, a hundred grand plus out of the <laughs> out of their cash flow a year that they've got to pay. So. All right. 
Okay, uh, let's recap the final five stocks. Uh, uh, Beam is sort of a uh, uh, a crazy speculative buy from uh, from both uh, Claude and Mark. Uh, Res uh, Technology speculative buy from Mark Holt from Claude. Uh, zero a hold from both. Uh, spec buy on Maggie Beer from Mark. Um, hold wavery or maybe a buy from from Claude on its uh, M and A possibility. Uh, possible takeover target uh, just from the brand name by itself uh, and Gnosis a, uh, a crazy microcap speculative buy from both uh, Claude uh, and Mark as well. Um, Claude Walker from A Rich Life, uh, have a great Christmas mate, look forward to seeing you in 2024, thanks for all your help this year, really enjoyed it. Happy Christmas and thanks for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Mark Gardner, same to you. Have a great Christmas. You will always have a great Christmas with your tribe. Yes, absolutely. Um, It's one of the funnest times of year to have a big family, uh, albeit very expensive. So, (laughs) Um, Merry Christmas to the viewers as well. And um, obviously, yeah. See you in the new year. Onwards and upwards in the new year. Good on you. All right, mate. Thank you. Uh, That's our show for today. If you've got any stocks that uh, you want covered here on the call for me to put to our expert panels, go to osbiz.co slash callpicks or tweet us on X using the at TV handle. Stick around. The Pulse is next. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.